Welcome to the Natural History Cupboard. Come on in. And welcome back to the Natural History Covered podcast, the place where the weird and wonderful parts of the natural world come together. I'm your host, Gareth, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Drew, say hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. And Aaron, say hi. Uh, hello there. Hello there. Um, but in fact, it's it's not just the, the three of us. I couldn't count there for a second. Uh, <laughs> <So sweet. laughs> we've also, I'll learn to count one of these days. <laughs> Uh, we've also got a special guest in this week. Uh, Tani, say hi. Hi. Hello there. Um, <laughs> you're joining us this week for our, our interview, uh, where Thank we're going you. to bombard you with questions. Go for it. I'm really sorry, by the way. My I have I have a rabbit, and he's grooming himself at the moment, and I think he seems to be enjoying it. So if you hear little like murmurs in the background, it's just my <laughs> rabbit. That's, That's all right. He's Drew's new, isn't he? Well, yeah, I've I've got the cat. Drew's got a cat on him. Sat on the keyboard at current. <laughs> I've got a dog chewing a bone behind my computer here. Yeah. Aaron's got a small That's flock all just of partridges. Part of part of the flow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all all over the place. Uh, so it's yeah, that's absolutely fine. Well, um, well, what have you guys all been up to this week? Um, well, uh, I've, I've I've not been up to too much. It's um. It's I've been uh sort of bit, I've been twitching again, looking at uh looking at all the the birds around. We've had we had red kite back, buzzards, uh the ravens, and obviously I've got the uh three nests of of a uh, house martin just behind me, well outside behind me. Um, but you can start you can hear chicks in two nests now. Before it was just one nest. Um, and uh, also a bit a bit of a late night the other night because it was the NBA draft. So I was I stayed up to stupid <laughs> o'clock listening to that because I can't watch it. Of course. It. Yeah. I mean who wouldn't? Well <laughs> <laughs> Drew, what have you been up to? Uh I ha I haven't had well breaking the uh the fourth wall here. We ha it's actually not that been lo that long since we recorded our last uh, Whoa! Episode. <laughs> so <laughs> between between those two periods, I haven't done that much, but I did see my first hummingbird hawk moth um, this year. Yeah, uh, that was that was the other day. So hopefully there'll be more of those coming in soon. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, it's been it's been pretty pretty usual. Nothing spectacular. If I could just get uh, Valerian to grow in my garden, it does not want to seem to you grow can... in my garden. Uh, you can I have would... one of ours if you want. We've got like four or five of them. Valerian. Now Valerian. you say I I I'm I'm <laughs> so a... animal orientated and not plant orientated that when you say Valerian, I thought of the dragon from Game of Thrones. Yeah, of I was course, going to say it's not it's not Game of Thrones related. No, just a, it's just a pink pink plant. It's uh it's also known as the Cornish weed. Uh, all right, we'll get rid of it for my garden. <laughs> does it? Uh, does it do its scones wrong? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does. And this is probably making absolutely no sense to you whatsoever, Tani, as to no. this bizarre thing that Devon and Cornwall have going on about cream and jam and scones because <laughs> it's just bizarre. How beautifully English of you! <laughs> yes. <laughs> What have you been up to? No, it is cool. It is cool to hear about the different species over there. Like those birds are probably 
so common in your area and they're just, you know, they're kind of like magpies, kookaburras, things like that over here that we just see every day. But for me, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. Oh, I wonder what that one looks like. <laughs> you must have blackbirds and sparrows because they were certainly present in South Australia. So Yeah, we, we do have little sparrows and things like that. But some of the other ones that you mentioned, I was I have no idea. I've never heard of. So I'm totally going to be going down a little Google rabbit hole when I finish and finding out what they look like. You'll, oh, you'll you definitely need to look up the hummingbird hawk moth because it yeah, is one of our cool. nicest looking moths. It's very and, cool. Uh, and they look like a hummingbird. Mm. Uh, check out the red kite as well. It's it's a really nice bird of prey that we we have here, but it's been uh, it's been persecuted to uh, qu- quite a horrific extent. They're only just starting to come back into our our local area here now. Mm. Mm. Well, what That's... hasn't? Yeah. yeah yeah on this island what hasn't it's true yeah oh actually i did have um i did see no i, I lied i didn't see i saw a photo of it but it was very close um, this were a uh this were, well, the this photo were a, was very close as in it was very close it was a photo of a bird that was quite close to where i was at the right. time that i was showing the photo <laughs> um, of a um of a spotted flycatcher so which oh, is not cool. an ordinary one Ooh. Um, well, yeah there's another, there's another one for you to look up as well They're pretty if cool we're doing them. If we're doing photos, I literally 10 minutes ago saw a photo of a tiger. Was it spotted <laughs> literally about 100 metres away from you? It was No. No. In your house, Aaron, there's always a picture of a tiger somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, that's just standard. Mm. Um, right, well. <laughs> uh, shall we? Uh, shall we move on into our interview then? Dive in. Yeah? Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> cool. It's time for the interview room. Right, well, we're into our interview for this week, and we're joined by Tani Barnes. Um, Tani, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got into conservation and what motivates you. Just yeah, easy stuff to I- start with. Just a, yeah, nice simple question that one. <laughs> big, big, big question. Um, so I, as you can probably hear from my accent, I'm not English. Um, I'm Australian. Um, and I, what was the question? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, there you go. I told you I'm Australian. <laughs> Sorry, it's early morning here, and I'm not a morning person, so it's like one question at a time. <laughs> Yeah, to, um, to be fair, it is like 6 a.m. for you, isn't it? It is. It, and as I said, I'm yes, not a morning person. Like, I went oh. to bed at midnight. So, wow. <laughs> so my brain, wow. brain hasn't quite woken up yet, but it's fine. I'll, I'll work with it. It's my own fault. Um, yeah. So, I'm Australian. Um, I am currently a vet nurse, um, but my. My partner is making as much noise as he possibly can to make sure that he gets onto this audio. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> he, he can say hello. No, no, he's walked out the door. He's just slamming oh. doors and yeah. So it's just, it's just going to be really loud background noise. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I'm currently a vet nurse. Um, my background is kind of a bit all over the place in in the animal and conservation world. I started off um as a zookeeper and a zoo educator or a wildlife educator um and then i did a little bit of work overseas um in nepal and doing a tra- an internship um over learning about human wildlife conflict 
Um, I've done a little bit of habitat restoration and um, I've got a Bachelor of Zoology and then I've kind of finally fallen into vet nursing. So, yeah, a little bit all over the place, um, but I think I've finally found my niche um, and my kind of career goal with that is um, to become a conservation vet nurse. So working in Australia and around the world with endangered species and, um, yeah, just trying to help them in that capacity, I think. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's me. Hmm. Very cool. Uh-huh. Um, you uh, you founded a um a project called End Extinction International some ten years ago. Can, can you tell us a bit about how that came about, please? Yeah, it's kind of crazy that it was ten years ago. It makes me feel really old. Um, <laughs> I was working. I was working as a wildlife um, educator at a wildlife park, and. Um, the main part of my job was uh, teaching school groups and international groups about um, the species that we had at the park. And I noticed really quickly that it wasn't so much that people didn't care about these animals and kind of their plight or how endangered they were. It was actually that they just had no idea. So that mm-hmm. inspired me that um a a kind of conservation education page um and back then instagram was very very new so there were no algorithms and ads and all the rest of it it was see again i'm sounding really old um it was it was very (laughs) it was quite new um and i started off calling the page the extinction of extinction but that became oh wow okay you, you've been there since the beginning my goodness you're um, also very old here as well <laughs> <laughs> um but it was just a bit too much of a tongue twister so I came up with end extinction and then I realized I wanted it to not seem like it was just for Australian um animals so I kind of tacked on the international bit there um yeah, and so I just I just started posting profiles of endangered species, especially ones that people may not have heard of or um, had much to do with or thought were very interesting um, and just trying to really build a profile for that species, greater, you know, raise awareness and inspire and motivate people with kind of everyday things that they could do to save them because I feel like, you know, especially the last few years, it's all about donating, donating, donating and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know about you guys over there, but we're we're in the middle of an econo- another economic recession. So donating is kind of not really feasible for many people. Um, so I wanted, I really wanted people to have other options for things that they could do to help those those species. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, here in the UK, we put a um economic recession on ourselves by deciding yeah, yeah. to uh, split from our geographic the rest of the world <laughs> the, yeah. the economic uh, version of shooting yourself in the foot yeah <laughs> yeah we yeah we did that and actually on politics the next question we have is uh very political um because we like that here <laughs> uh, i don't know if people like us talking about it but we like talking about it um so yeah australia has very much been feeling the pressure of climate change um, and has faced it as a landmass, apparently without the support of its government. What steps would you like to see in order to mitigate and improve the situation there? Oh, my goodness. Any? 
It's <laughs> <laughs> a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we've got we've got kind of two major parties over here. And I'm I'm just going to preface this by saying I am not good with politics. Um, I I really have tried to be better with it, um, but it's definitely not my strong point. Um, but we have two major political parties over here: Liberals and Labor. Um, and Liberals are right wing and Liberals are left. Uh, sorry, Liberals are right wing and Labor's left wing ish. Like they're both, that's kind of where they sit. Mm. Um, and uh, we kind of have had the Liberals in power for about the last decade. So, climate, they're very kind of non supportive of climate change and that kind of thing. So, the last 10 years have been very stressful for those who don't vote Liberal or those who support action against climate change um, because they're very much invested in um, coal mining and um, uh, things like that um, that obviously we know play a huge part in con contributing to global warming and climate change. Um, we we now have a Labor Party in government, so there was a big hope that it would be kind of front and centre of their leadership. Unfortunately, so far that doesn't seem to have been the case um, with more mines being approved. Um, mm. So there really is a kind of a sense of, uh, a sense of stress and a sense of disappointment, I guess, from the community um, in terms of political leadership when it comes to climate change and, and global warming. And it's, it's quite obvious in Australia. I mean, I don't know how much you guys get, you know, news about the big things happening over here. But last year where I live, we had major, like, catastrophic flooding. Um, it was meant to be, you know, one in a 100-year flooding and it was the third in, like, less than 10 years. Um, and, you know, thousands of people were left homeless and, um, you know, tens of thousands of animals perished and it was it was horrific. Um, and a few years before that, we had one of the most catastrophic and widespread bushfire seasons. Um, pretty much the whole of the east coast of Australia was just on fire. Um, and yeah, so it, the I guess the effects of climate change in terms of natural disasters becoming more frequent and more deadly are really kind of putting into perspective just how serious it is here. Mm. Um, yeah. So for us, any any sort of action at this stage would be amazing. Um, we really want our political leaders to invest in green, clean energy and renewable energy and to stop investing and supporting new mines especially. I mean, if we can at least stop new mines from being developed rather than ending them all, that's at least a step in the right direction. Um, but there's there's so much more to it than that. I mean, um, you know, the the ability of the big pollution companies to just get away with polluting without having to pay, you know, huge, you know, fines or taxes on, on that um, or not being kind of held responsible and the pressure on individual community members as if, you know, what we do in a day is worse than what these companies do. It's, it's just really unfair. Yeah. And I think 
putting a lot of stress on us as individuals and making us feel like it's it's all on us and that these big companies they're only one percent of the problem it's like no like they may make up one percent of like the community but they're contributing a huge percentage of the greenhouse gas problems so for sure i think i think that there's there's a real need for community to feel people power again and to feel that we have the ability to put pressure on politicians and put pressure on these companies to make immediate changes because the technology is definitely there. The money for it is definitely there. It's just about who's controlling it and what they're willing to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, um, I mean, I, I used to live in, in Adelaide uh, up until 2005. We, we moved back to the UK <laughs> And um, I think even since then, I've noticed that the frequency of bushfires, the frequency of all these sort of massive things that have happened in Australia has just skyrocketed. It, even in the, the last, God, what is it now? 2005, like 15, 15 years, or you know, almost sort of, uh, sort of time. But on, on the subject of the effects of climate change on Australia and, and the wildfires as well. Uh, now that you're involved in conservation uh, and the veterinary uh, practice side of things, as well as education, um, <laughs> have you um, in any of those fields had to de- uh, deal with the events of any of these sort of, you know, aftermaths of these horrific disasters? Um, not so much with the wildfires. I, I have been personally impacted by the wildfires. Um, in 2013, my family home was destroyed um, by wildfire. Oh, wow. um, so my family, I wasn't living in the home anymore, um, but my family lost everything. So that that took a big emotional toll on us. Um, oh. And in the big fires a couple of years ago, we were living kind of right in the centre of where the fires were hitting so when you looked on a map of where all the fires were we were on the coast and the first fire kind of came down and stopped just before our spot and then the next fire came up and stopped just before our spot we were this tiny little safety blip on the coast um but it was extremely stressful and you know our our region was on international news and things like that so um, we have definitely been personally affected by them. And then obviously last year um, we had the flooding and, our, again, our tiny little suburb was one of the only suburbs in our region to not lose houses and lives um, and completely flood out. So we've we've been extremely lucky in that sense, my, my, myself and my partner personally. Um, but it has definitely taken a toll. Um, in terms of my, I guess, my my more active role in it um in the wildfires it's really it's really hard to get involved because everything happens so fast and you know you've got to let the emergency services get in there and get the people out and get mm-hmm. the pets out and then um you've got we've got all the different conservation um or the the wildlife rescue organizations but um you've there's certain there's only certain kind of people and organizations who are allowed to actually enter the danger zones I guess as it is to to kind of be on hand um you know unless you're driving along and you see an animal um and of course you can rescue it so I've always tried to do my part where I can in terms of wildlife rescue and being a carer um 
but I, yeah, I definitely haven't had the opportunity to be, I guess, more hands-on in the immediate um, uh, aftermath of of the the events of the wildfires. But now I've only been a vet nurse for six months, so I, I'm a recent graduate. So I guess um, as I'm building and developing these skills, that's definitely something that I want to be available to do. We've got a couple of different wildlife hospitals um, within an hour of where I live. Um, that um, one of which I'm just about to start volunteering with. And so, you know, my hope is that I will have the skills and the knowledge and the ability to be more hands-on for these animals if if and when another um, natural disaster happens. Um, so, yeah, in the meantime, I guess I've had, I, I kind of just used more of an education role I'm using my social media platforms to kind of help guide people in what they can do um, to help those animals. So, you know, if it's in droughts, you know, putting out water for the animals, ensuring that they've got, you know, native seeds and foods and things like that, um, how to rescue them, putting together a wildlife rescue kit um, and, you know, recommending organisations to volunteer with. And um, so, yeah, so that's I guess that's kind of been my my role um, up till now. Hmm. No, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and as we've already kind of touched on, uh, it's quite clear that you're you're very much about the education side of things too, uh, both through social media and, and through the lectures that you've held. Uh, what's been your most rewarding uh, experience in the realm of education? Um, I think, I mean... Being able to connect with people all over the world has been such an incredible gift in in some ways. I know that, you know, social media and globalisation hasn't always had such a positive effect on on the world. Um, but in in terms of AI and um, that that kind of educational point of view for me, it's, I've been really fortunate to connect with beautiful people all over the world, such as yourselves, um, who I otherwise probably would never have connected with. And it's, it's really um, kept me motivated and inspired me a lot um, throughout my journey. Um, but in terms of, I guess, something that I'm really proud of with the educational side of things, um, I think it's probably even before I started AEI when I was working as a wildlife educator, and in the mornings, I would usually have a python for people to um, say hello to in the mornings and, and pat and, if, you know, hold if they felt brave enough. And so many people would smile at me and not realise that I had, you know, an olive python or a black-headed <laughs> python or a wormer python sitting on my shoulders when they first walked past. And then they'd see it and they would freak out and they'd run <laughs> and and it was just this whole thing. And I was able to convince so many of them to either just stand still <laughs> instead of running or to put one finger on the back of the snake just just to feel and realize what they felt like um sometimes I was able to convert them to actually holding the snake which was always just such a proud moment because I just felt like there's such a miss 
misconception when it comes to snakes and absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and australia obviously we have a lot of snake species so there's they're just so highly persecuted here especially venomous ones but non-venomous ones because people don't know the difference um Mm. between you know when you look at it and sometimes it can be hard to tell um so just being able to to kind of create an olive branch i guess as it were between this person and this snake and just allowing them to appreciate them as a living being and not as this mythical, you know, dragon of sorts, I guess, that was just going to eat them because that's just what they do. Just to have that peaceful moment of, of really beautiful connection. Um, I was always really, really proud of those moments because I just felt like I'd, I changed one person. I'd, I'd helped them kind of cross into the the happy zone of oh, snakes are actually friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's probably that will always be one of my proudest moments when it comes to the education side of things. Yeah, it's a good feeling that yeah yeah, yeah being able to get yeah. someone to like a species that they sort of inwardly persecute, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think again with with EEI with the endangered species profiles by introducing them to species they'd never heard of. Um, and, you know, chucking a few weird fun facts in there and just seeing comments that, you know, people are like, whoa, like, what is this thing? Oh, I've got to look more into it. Or, you know, thanks so much for this cool introduction. I live in this country and I didn't even know they existed. And um, getting, uh, you know, I had a, a friend, a school, an old school friend years ago message and say that her son had done a profile on the species because he was inspired by my page. And just so, yeah, things like that, they're just they keep you motivated and they just keep you feeling like positive and hopeful. It's hmm, great. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, yeah. So just quickly on the subjects of getting people to rethink their opinions of on snakes, um, Tani, do you know how many snakes that we have in the UK? How many species? It's not fair. I mean, I, I, I could whip a number out of the air, but yeah, I'm go just going to go with no, no idea. <laughs> three. We have, we have just three. Only oh three species. Okay, only, yeah, no, only one. Three, three native. More. Yeah, three native. Three native. Yeah, yeah. Only one of them is venomous, and the last person to be killed by that venomous snake was in 1975. So they're really not a problem at all. And yet, it's really difficult. It's still really difficult to get people into snakes here. So doing it in Australia sounds to me like a, a massive achievement. So, so yeah, well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people freak uh, out over house spiders here and there. Yeah, They're nothing oh, I compared mean, to Australian spiders. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say we have plenty of spiders here as well, and that's again a whole other journey, unfortunately. Um, trying to get people to get on board with those, but I feel like the the further uh away they kind of get the 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 less you have in common with them physically, um, on appearance, I guess the harder yes. the the job to try and get people to to appreciate them. So I think if snakes had legs. So, aka, like pretty much if they were lizards, oh, um, lizard, yeah. you know, <laughs> half half your job is already done because oh, they have yeah. legs. Okay, I can relate to that. But as soon as you take the legs away, it's like oh no, like I just oh no. And yeah. so, so then you go to the other extreme where they have eight legs and yeah. <laughs> and many many yeah. eyes, and it's just it's a whole thing. So I love I love pretty much all species. There's not really any species that I really dislike. Like I mean. Yeah, no, like I can't do maggots. Maggots just make me like, Ugh, can't do it. That'll be a really good sound on your audio, by the way. Just, <laughs> just realise that because we're audio. <laughs> um, 
it just maggots just make me nauseous and I'm not a fan of cockroaches we have some cute native cockroaches like burrowing cockroaches um yeah. but like the the invasive ones just just, ugh, just get out of my house giant, um giant litter bugs oh, I love those things the rocks yeah and then yeah. and then we have like paralysis ticks which as a vet nurse especially they just just made me angry so I mean there, there are a few species that I I'm not a huge fan of but I do respect their place in this world and I respect that they have every right to be here as well just you know not in my house or on my dog or <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. yeah 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 I don't think that's a bad place to be at all um so kind of in line with the the actual proper question that we asked you uh, before about um your uh uh, your most rewarding experience in the realm of education. What has been your favorite achievement as um, within End Extinction International? Oh man. Um, I think, I think just being able to reach the people, or just being able to reach people on an international scale and, and just getting, um, you know, emails and messages and comments from people that, realizing that you know yes one person actually read your post and that like you know it actually made them think and it made them you know make a change or it inspired their child to do a project on that species or um yeah I think I think that has been my my kind of proudest achievement with it is just the being that the fact that I've reached people all over the world with it and and have inspired some sort of of change or action or interest um it, it, i mean that was the whole goal of it originally was just to to get people excited about it so i'd say that's probably my proudest achievement um at this stage i do have an app that i'm in the very early stages of developing um so if that becomes successful maybe that will be my crowning achievement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very early days so yeah that's a level of technology yeah. we're not definitely at. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, what's next for uh, EEI? It's a really good question. I've been asking myself that for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, EEI has definitely taken a bit of a backseat over the last few years due to, you know, trying to figure out my career and, surviving pandemics and natural disasters and just general personal life as we all have. Um, but I I really do want to build it into something more. Um, so I do, as I just mentioned, have an app in mind um, that I've kind of mentally created. I just have to be able to get it to the next step of actually developing it. Mm-hmm. Um but it will basically be a way to connect people with their immediate environment, wherever they are, um, with endangered species, wherever they are, and give them the ability to take some sort of meaningful action to help that species. Um, so, yeah, so as I said, it's it's still early days. Um, I have to figure out how to get it to the next stage. Um, so that's that's something that I'm looking into. I've I've spoken to a couple of of people in the industry that um, I seem to be really keen to to help out. So I just have to, I guess, take that next step, which I'm really bad at doing. I'm really good at coming up with ideas um, and getting them like the early stages started, and then as soon as things get a bit more complicated, I kind of 
they kind of fizzle. <laughs> so it's all right. So We've it's done exactly the same. Yeah. It's time for me to bring in some more people um, who are really good at taking that next step for me. <laughs> um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm hoping to take it um, and maybe registering it as a, an actual organization. Um, I just need to really kind of fine tune exactly what I want it to be. I've obviously, since um, I started it 10 years ago, there's been a, a lot of other organizations that have come um, through and are doing incredible work in the areas that I had originally wanted to do. And I've always kind of said to myself that I didn't want EEI to be just another organization that kind of competed. There's just no point in that with me. Uh, for me, co conservation is not about competition. It's about collaboration. Mm. It's about working mm -hmm. together. Sure. So yeah. for me, it was always about filling whatever gap needed to be filled in conservation to allow for success. So I'm still just trying to figure out what that is. Uh -huh. Cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing we wanted to talk to you about is uh is essentially about role models for for young women wanting to break into the conservation fields. Uh, did 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 you have a role model coming up, and uh, and how important is it that women of of all ages get to see themselves being represented in in these sciences? I mean. I would love to say that when I was little, I had a female role model growing up that kind of inspired me to to follow this path, but it was actually David Attenborough, <laughs> as as most 90s, 80s, 90s babies probably will admit. Um, but once I kind of, I guess, started in the industry, um, that's kind of when I started learning more about, uh, you know, people who had been in the industry for decades and were making incredible um incredible amounts of change for the better um so I am ashamed to admit that I hadn't even heard of Jane Goodall till I was in my 20s um and she very fast became a role model um I've actually had the pleasure of meeting her a couple of times and um she's just yeah she just keeps going and she just keeps coming up with amazing ways to help our planet and she just keeps fighting and I just love it but she does so with such a beautiful grace and humbleness and I just I really appreciate that um and sorry my rabbit is flipping his water bowl at the moment and making noise That's obviously <laughs> time for um and um uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot her name. Diane Fossey. Um, I know mm. she is definitely more of a, I guess, more of a controversial figure um, in comparison to Jane Goodall. Um, but I really, uh, when I first saw Gorillas in the Mist, I I love Sigourney Weaver to start off with, so I was already hooked. But when I learned more about Diane Fossey, I just, I really resonated with her fierce passion. Um, I I just when I get passionate about something, it just takes over my body and I just, it just, I just uh, share it and, and act on it. And I just really respected how passionate she was about those gorillas that she was trying to protect. And I mean, you know, she died for them, which is awful, but it, yeah, she was just such an incredible woman. And, um, but now, now that I'm kind of, you know, on, again, with social media, the kind of the positive of social media is the people that you connect with. It's really enabled me to, to connect with women all over the world who are in this industry and in, in such a vast array of roles there and, and kind of made me feel a bit better because to me, 
conservationists were, they were in the field and they were, you know, hands-on and they were rescuing animals from poachers and from the grips of death and, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And, and that just felt like a lot of pressure to put on myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I think that it, connecting with so many women in the industry, um, especially through a really incredible page that I have to give a shout out to called Women in Wildlife. It was founded by an Australian woman and she just spotlights women in the wildlife industry, whether they're zookeepers, con like, you know, in the fields, conservationists, researchers, scientists. Um, she She's just given this beautiful platform for, for women all over the world. And so I've connected with a lot of them and, it's just really inspired me to keep going um, and, and to stay passionate because obviously these kinds of industries, they can become very draining emotionally because, you know, we don't always see success and there's not usually a lot of political support and things like that. So it can mm -hmm. become very emotionally draining. Um, so to see just all of these women in their fields doing the most incredible work um, with so many different species and making such a huge difference i just find them really inspiring really motivating and really hopeful and you know i mean you've got you've got well she's now a young woman but she was a girl when she became famous like greta thunberg and mm. you know these these beautiful mm. activists all mm -hmm. over the world I and mean, there's there's so much pressure on gen what are they gen z there's so much pressure on them to be so many things i think more than my generation as millennials, we, we're feeling a lot of pressure, you know, to, to kind of keep up with the new stuff, but also remembering, you know, pre-technology. So we're, we're kind of that <laughs> weird generation, but this yeah. new generation, just so much pressure on them to be everything and anything. And so to see individuals in that generation stepping up from such a young age and, you know, knowing that they have a voice and knowing that they have power is just so inspiring and so impressive and something that I still, you know, am trying to work on in my 30s. So, yeah, they definitely inspire me. Hmm. Wonderful. I'd, I'd recommend uh, another um, amazing female naturalist uh, who we've actually had on the podcast previously and you're saying about your dislike of maggots. She will get you liking maggots and all things fly. And that's um, Dr. Erica McAllister. Mm. Um, she, she's quite active out there on, uh, on social media as well. One to definitely check out. Some of her things are really, really quite good. I believe I, I might have got this wrong, but I believe she's now curator of Natural History Museum. Is she? Is she? I think so. Wow. Because yeah. I, uh, wow. I, I, I check in on our interviewees. The people that we've had on, well, I, I check in on our stalking, guests our just... stalking our interviews. <laughs> I just, oh, I, I just changed my profile to private. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think she's doing very well for herself at the moment. Oh, oh great! She, well, she's very charismatic. So yeah, I can certainly yeah. believe it. I wasn't there for that interview. Um, no, you weren't. That's the one interview I missed. Oh. Uh, so you missed out on 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 the joys of so many species of flies. So to kind of wrap this up nicely we always like to give our guests a chance to tell our listenership where they can go and find all of your uh great and hard work so whereabouts can people find you online and find out about what you're up to um so you can follow end extinction international it's most active on instagram um which is at end extinction intl 
Um, and if you want to follow my personal Instagram, I do try and keep that fairly kind of professional and informative um, with little little splatterings of personal stuff here and there. Um, and that's just um, at Tani Victoria. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on because uh, I, I think we've already mentioned it that we had arranged this for slightly later. But it, there's a bit of a time difference, obviously. And Tani had to uh, has is uh, is having to go into work, so she's actually been kind enough to get up an hour earlier <laughs> for us. So yeah, so yeah, um, no, thank you very much. And we will we will make sure to share your socials um, and also share was it women in wildlife. Yeah, definitely. Right. definitely. Since you gave yeah. them a shout, we'll uh, we'll we'll shout them out too, and we'll get we'll share them about too. Yeah, yeah, yes. Thank you so Thank much, you. guys. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your um your podcast. It's it's awesome. It's really cool to see um you guys highlighting people in the industry and and just chatting all things nature. It's awesome. We need more of it. <laughs> it's always. Always a pleasure. Never, well, actually, sometimes it is a chore, but <laughs> it's always more of a pleasure. <laughs> the chore is doing all the the, the random bits. But I think looking at, um, I just I had a check of our our listenership. Uh, Australia has the third highest listenership. Um, Woo! Uh, to it, so yep. you're also you're all, you're above New Zealand. Yes. <laughs> I thought you appreciate that. That's all that matters. Unfortunately, no, you're, you're below Someone America. Someone pretend to be New Zealand as if Australia is not doing well in um in politics or we're just kind of embarrassing ourselves. We just kind of pretend that we're New Zealanders. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amazing. thank, thank you, you very, much very, very much. On. Yeah. I'll, thank uh, you, guys. And apologies to your rabbit for us uh, getting in the Stubbing. way of breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is fine <laughs> right well that was a fantastic uh interview there um mm -hmm. yeah with with very tani good. very uh very grateful that she was able to get up so early so that um she could be on so late with us yeah what even happens at six o'clock in the morning what, what what's going on oh drew the things i could tell you all right <laughs> uh it's uh, it's it's a whole different world. Is know? it? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's like the nineteen fifties. You see a milkman walking down the street, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> clanking bottles. I don't. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as we mentioned before, um, it was uh, absolutely brilliant having uh, Tani on there as our guest this week. If you want to find out more uh, about what she's up to, she is on Instagram, as she mentioned. Something that. We're on slightly um, sporadically. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm still on. I'm still taking a break from Instagram because there's just too much other work to do right now. So, I mean, I, I, by all means, follow us on on Instagram by all means, but don't expect anything at least until things are a little bit more settled. Okay, then. Well, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, where we do post up things all throughout the week and we will be obviously answering our usual question of the uh, the week not this week we're going to let it roll over for our Madness. facebook question for next week i know it's not... unprecedented well you know i i'm it's, in it's outrageous it's unfair <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm making that decision executive decision so yes you can find us on facebook and on twitter if you want to send us an email uh you can do that by sending it into 
thenathistorycupboard at gmail.com, where you can tell us all what you think about the things that we do. Just generally rant at us if you want, you know. Yeah. And if you want. Us, People just, have no please idea. Please just send us an email. <laughs> you have no idea how how um how much just comments and uh and feedback and uh, actually helps. It's not like not just about like giving it a five star review, but like if a five a five star rating, sorry, but like you know, comments, five as well. That's reviews are just they really, really do help get the podcast uh, yeah. out there and seen. Well, seen it's a podcast, so heard, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's Aaron's only connection to the outside world is what you guys send in. We don't let him out otherwise. No, but yeah, if you, if you if you could send us a fiver as well, that would be great because we'll also <laughs> record ourselves all fighting us fighting over it. <laughs> uh, anyway, our income, guys. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, like Aaron said, you can leave us a review, like, subscribe, comment, all those different things on whatever podcasting service you are listening to us on. Uh, but that pretty much brings us to the point where we say um, thank you for uh, for coming along, uh, Aaron. So long, farewell, afidas, and goodbye. I don't okay. know the rest of the words, so don't don't expect anything. Please don't go singing adieu. the sound of music. Isn't it adieu? I I got no idea. I don't like the sound of music. It was just uh, I was thinking of saying so long instead of goodbye, and uh, it became well that digression. It became that, yeah. It became poetic. Yep. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Drew. What musical are you going to be signing off with? Um, go, on, go for Lamez. <laughs> uh, always, always look on the bright side of life. That's the only musical I can think. That of. is the correct Spam, one. Spam Spam it's one of the only, it's yep. about the only one I've ever seen. That's the best one. Yeah, beats all of them and that brings me to say a big thank you uh, to you at home for listening and we will see you next time here in the Natural History Cupboard bye bye adios <laughs>